say hombre, hold another bottle. Look a little closer, cigar in Moscato. An actor in improv coming from Chicago. I'll throw I'm an improviser, so if you go higher, I'll probably go higher. The next you know, you'll just see us from from here. We'll go into Spanish, and then nobody knows what's going on. Nothing sabe nada. Nadie va a saber nada. It's amazing to to see to see you face to face. It's been a rough couple of years, you know, with the pandemic and stuff. And oh my I've gotten God. used to doing this, you know, for auditions and whatnot. But it is wonderful to touch base with you, Richard. Thank you so much thank for taking you. time to do this. No, no, thank you for inviting me, man. Thank you very much. I, I, I love the sound effects. It makes me feel like there is an audience listening to us, like somebody in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even if it's just a few people, it's great because it's it is nice to get that feedback and then. If it ever bothers people, we can turn the sound effect off. Thank you. Yeah, give Richard a round of applause. Uh, and and uh, the nice thing is that it lives on the platform. So I like it, you know, because we could just record this on Zoom or wherever. And then, yeah, we'll have a great conversation. But I love the the, the live aspect to it, the feedback. And mm-hmm. then, we can, uh, then it lives on the platform so people can actually come back and listen to it. And then what I do is I download it. It's also uh, simulcast right now to, to YouTube, to uh, Facebook, and to Twitch. Uh, so I just leave it there. It's unedited, uh, you know, mistakes and all. And then what I'll do is I'll download it and then re-upload it as a, as a legit podcast with an intro and an outro and all that good stuff. Nice, nice, nice. Good, good, good. Yeah. So how you been, man? How's Vegas? Vegas? Uh, it's getting hot again. <laughs> which. <laughs> yeah yeah uh it's it's crazy i mean it's it's uh it's always great until the middle of summer you know when it's 120 and fat guys like me are like oh my god it's you know but but you're in a casino all the time or you're in your home i had a store you know for 10 years inside binion's casino so you go from right. your air-conditioned car or uber to the casino to your home so it's fine but uh yeah, it's 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 gonna start. It's long as long as you're not a roofer in in Nevada, you're good. As long as you're not doing roofing or landscaping, that's you're good, man. And and that's yeah, and because you know Mexicans are that's what we do out here, and and it's freaking it's tough, crazy. bro. It's tough. It's tough. <laughs> We're willing yeah, to take buddy. well, we not we, but you know, mm-hmm. Mexicans are willing to take those. My dad said he worked hard his whole life, so I didn't have to, and I said okay. Right, right. Why? Why yeah. would I disappoint him now? Yeah. I don't want to disappoint him. I don't want to disappoint my dad. So, <laughs> Richard, it is so good to see you. And again, I, I really want to thank you for taking time from your from your busy day and uh, joining mm-hmm. me. And then uh, I, I, I want to cover so much. And if it, we don't, you know, we can you can always come back because you're always welcome. Start up, man. I'm I'm good, man. I'm I'm ready to answer whatever you want to know. Wonderful. That, that's perfect. The interrogation shall begin. So, so Richard, let, let, I guess, you know what, let's start uh, in the beginning and work our way and see how far we get. Uh, and if you have to go, by all means, please, you know, you're by no means hostage here, oh. but uh, I appreciate you being here. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Let me just make sure this doesn't die on us when we're putting it together, because uh, I want to make sure that uh, we have enough energy and mistakes and all. That's what we love about this podcast. See, I'm trying to get this so I can get into the story. I don't want it to cut off mid midway no, I there. Love it. It's fantastic. Uh, I love your backdrop. Uh, I've seen it. Oh. I think it's podcasts or what's yeah, the story? This, is that this? This is a story. I didn't steal it, by the way. I did not steal <laughs> the sign. It was bought at a thrift store. My brother-in-law <laughs> was nice enough to 
to have it in, in his garage. And he says, Richard, would you like this? Do you, do you know what you would do with this? Would you want to put it on your podcast as, as a piece? I said, you know what? This is exactly what I need. So not only does it do that, but we also put lights in these. Hold on, there you go. Bam. So now you see the full effect. Once the podcast goes on, both 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 uh, booths have the little lights. And that's it. You know, something I have fun with when we're doing the podcast, American Illegals. Uh, American Illegals is your podcast. So how long yes. have you been? Yeah. How, it's, it's a great name, by the way, too. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it's been a year now. We've been we've been producing the podcast for a year. And in there, I talk about selling crack with my dad in Compton. We talk about how he came a pimp, uh, comedy world, people that I've toured with. <laughs> uh, uh, what else? The, everything, man, from the 10 feature films I produced for these company in Mexico that they were all gangster movies to guests. We all have guests come in that are performing here at the local comedy club and we'll say, hey, come on over. Let's talk to you. And, you know, that's it, man. It's just chit-chat. That is something I really wanted to get into was, was uh, well, of course, the selling crack at an early age. It's such a fascinating story that I've heard, but my listeners haven't. So if you don't okay. mind telling it again, but uh-huh. also uh, then I found out that you produced these movies, uh, which I, a buddy of mine, uh, Noel G, I think we have a, a common friend, Noel G, yeah. Uh, yeah. which if people don't know, <laughs> he's the Chicano in every single film. He's I, a cholo in every cholo he's movie. A, that yes, say, he I was Hector say. in Fast yeah. and the Furious, and he was in, in the movie with a Bruce Almighty where monkeys flew out of his ass. That's probably the first thing that he was known for. Uh, yeah. I actually interviewed, um, uh, or earlier today, I interviewed Citric. Do you know Citric, uh, Anthony? Yeah, of course. And, of course, Noel's name came up, and I, I told yeah. Citric, I'm like, holy sh-. I go, man, I thought you were Noel G. I'm sorry, I meant to interview him, not you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, I know both of them really well. I've, I've got to work with both of them. I, yeah. Now, so have you ever met Johnny Sanchez, the guy that owns the Toy Shack in Las Vegas? He was the toy expert on Pawn Stars, but he runs with Noel G sometimes. So when, if you ever come out, I'll introduce you to him. Oh, I think. Okay, Noel. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, Noel G had told me about him. Yes. He, he, he t- but I've never personally have met him. I've never okay. personally met that toy guy. I know yeah, the toy guy. About yeah. that. The toy guy. He doesn't toy- get offended if you tell him the toy guy, does he? Yeah, he does. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's either the toy expert or, or, uh, yeah, to- Johnny Toy Shack or the, the, the toy expert. Yeah, he's yeah. he's the toy guy. He owns a uh, Toy Shack in Vegas, and he was uh, many seasons on on Pawn Stars as the the toy expert. So yeah, yeah. he's a grown man playing with toys. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, yeah, let's go to the beginning, man. So now, were okay. you born in the U.S. or in Mexico, or what's what's your... uh, so the story here? Here's the beginning. I I was born in Compton, California, Martin Luther King Hospital. Uh, my parents, uh, when I was three, decided, no, we're going to go back to Mexico and we're going to start again, and they did. And then in '88, Mexico had this huge like like they went into like the depression, and so the peso was worth nothing. My dad lost everything we flee back to the U.S. So we end up in Compton, California again. And then now we find ourselves with no money, um, four of us in one bedroom with my dad. And my dad had no papers, couldn't work legally. And so he was offered the opportunity by a cousin, hey, you sell crack cocaine here in Compton and uh, you can have a house. So my dad said, I, I, I don't speak English. And they were like, but Richard does. I'm Richard. 
I became the translator at that moment. So then my dad's like, but I don't know anybody here. He says, but your brother's a crackhead. Just give him some crack at night. He'll tell everybody how great your crack is. And he's like, but I don't know how to cook this thing called crack. He says, your wife's an excellent cook. Listen, you have all the tools to start this business. It's like making cookies, except you can't lick the spoon at the end, all right? It's the same yeah. concept, stir, stir. And, and, and that's it. And that's how we started our business, man. At the age of 10, I now became part of the business because you understand it. The knocks at the door at 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning, you want to get through that transaction as quick as possible. Well, we're getting is stolen goods and giving them return cocaine. So it was like I had to be on my A game, man. Um, we had so much traffic. I don't know how much of yours knows about crack in the 80s in Compton, late 80s. It was very bad crack back then. People were getting pieces of potato. So if you're a crackhead back in 88, you know what I'm talking about. But we, because we were so good at our quality, because my dad, course he was not going to cheat anybody uh he's an honest man he would make sure he made good crack and it was so good that we became so popular my dad opened up a candy store why because we need to disguise the traffic that's coming sure. in and out of the house so guess who ran the candy store this guy well, how old and were he, you i'm sorry this this all happened at the age of 10 holy shit we were crack, cracking up cocaine at the age of 10 in compton and my dad built us a candy store with the only excuse of foot traffic we do not want our girl attention so let me tell you something it is a lot easier to deal with a crackhead than a five-year-old with 50 cents in his hand oh my god i'm like just pick something from here to here that is it you can find, well how much is that you cannot afford uh, move Pancho, he needs crack. What do you want? There you go. Really quick. One item, really quick. It would frustrate me to death, man, because there's crackheads waiting behind them. <laughs> the, 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 just the, the dichotomy of, of kids coming up to buy candy or, or maybe even adults that are just buying soda or candy. Uh -huh. And that and the crackheads like out of my way. Like, yes, but, yes, you yes. Know, when I owned my ice cream shop, not to equate the two. But it was it was so good. It was it was like crack. I mean, it's the opposite of crack because when I bought it, I was two hundred pounds. When I sold it, I was three hundred pounds. So that's how delicious it was. Uh, so so I would have been a bad uh, crackhead. But you know, it, it was the same thing. If I had a good customer walk in, I'd wave them to the front of the lines. We were at a train station too. I knew that they had to get on their train, and they knew I'm getting this bag of chips and I'm I'm getting this, and it's it's three bucks. Keep the change. You know, so I could just do a transaction while still helping the person. It's like. Can I get another taste of, you know, mm -hmm. it's, 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 it's ice cream. You're, you already know how, how, how it tastes. Like, yeah. yeah. So, so, so I love that it's the same principles. It's business, but it's the same it's principle that any legit business would do. Oh, but I did have a question. It's probably a very dumb question. It's okay. That's the way my business brain works. Did you guys actually have a business license for the candy store? Or they was really, that all they, they, in, in 88 in Compton, it was very common that uh, housewives would just set up a candy store, which okay. they would get all this candy. It was very common. It wasn't okay. like, oh, we're going to call the cops on you. Oh, no, he just decided to make a little extra money. The kids running yeah. a candy store inside his house. It makes sense. It makes sense. Even though my dad made it into a fortress, what they didn't see is the inside was actually plate steel. The walls were plate steel because of the drive-bys. And we understood what we were selling. I mean, he was a welder, so he built the literally built a fortress in front of our house, which still stands. Obviously, it still stands. Still, still stands. So I have I have a video where I went back to Compton recently on my TikTok, and you will see 
the house and in I talked to the owner and I said inside it's a metal wall right and he says how do you know is it my dad built that he's like yeah we always wonder why would anybody put a metal wall of what three metal sheets of metal here with a window we never got that that was a candy store baby it was a candy store. We sold candy. All kinds of candy. All I'm, kinds actually, of candy. Adult everybody. candy. Yes. And, and, and now let, let me ask you this. Do you remember, and I guess I don't need the exact address, because I, uh, I, my, it's still there, but now my ex-wife has it. But uh, we bought a house in Compton, but of course everybody is calling it like like uh, south of L.A. or something, you know, because they don't want to say Compton. So we were at 29th and Maple. Where were you in Compton, do you on, remember? Uh, Rosecrans and uh, Alameda. In the corner of Rosecrans and Alameda, if you went one block, one block more, right there where the blue line or the train was built, there yeah. used to be a supermarket called Calimex in that corner. People that know, it's right behind Santana Tires. People that know this area and the monuments I'm saying right now, there used to be a Calimex, but the LA riots, they burned it in 92. And they never rebuilt it, huh? They never rebuilt it. That's The place yeah, but, is still but, just burned down. Was it the same Calimex as, as what's in Mexico? Was it the Mexican? No. It, oh, okay. was a, uh, it was a bootlegger version, but that's what it was called, Calimex. And it's not like yeah. anybody was going to sue them. I was in Tijuana. That reminds me. Uh, I was in Tijuana. Uh, I, I, the first time I ever went was with uh, with Bobby Lee. I don't know if you, if you know Bobby Lee from- Yeah, uh, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. And uh, of course you do. I'm sorry. That was, that was dumb. No, uh, no, yeah. uh, and uh, I remember seeing down there a Kentucky Fried Buches. Was, uh, was uh, a knockoff of, you know, I guess KFC, but it was Kentucky Fried Buches. Yeah, so- surgeons, surgeons in, in Tijuana, they will look, get Kardashian photos and upload them in big billboards. And, and they have Kardashian promoting all their stuff. They don't care. They're like, when is Kardashian going to cross the border through driving here? No, put it there. She takes flights. She's never going to see this. You know, that is that is funny, man. That, that yeah, is, like, I, who, who, who does she sue? What company? Go find me. Who? Well, I didn't do it. We'll go to the product. Well, I didn't tell anybody to do that. Did you I mean, authorize this? No. Okay, we'll take it down then. We didn't know. I didn't know they wanted to promote our product. We don't. We didn't do, do that. Yeah. <laughs> we are. We are slick. We are a slick people. Hey, but 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 you know what? We're sitting. where we're you and I are both sitting standing wherever where you know this used to be mexico so you yeah. know it's a little comeuppance maybe hey at the age of 28 i married a border patrol agent everybody looked at me like wow where'd you guys meet i said the river uh <laughs> no, no, not the river uh no we i actually married a <laughs> and it was like crazy because she would patrol the i'm from mexicali and she would patrol calexico which is the opposite of that sure. border in and I, I always had this fear. Now we're married, and I'm going to family events. If an uncle or or somebody, a cuñado, is gonna go, that's her, bro. That's her. Like, like, like they freak out. Like I've always had that fear of going to every quinceañera and every wedding. I hope they don't recognize you here. I hope they don't recognize you here because we're gonna have to leave. You're gonna mess up the party. <laughs> Where did you guys meet? We met there in Calexico. I was there doing a show. But I didn't know she was Border Patrol. Was you just meet a girl in, in regular clothes, and we're talking, we're dancing, and then we build a relationship. Then she says, you know, I'm a Border Patrol. I said, why didn't you tell me before? She's like, because uh, I don't know you. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you don't understand. The Border like the cartel at that time, they were offering $50,000 for any Border Patrol, dead or alive. 
Wow. So the way, the yeah. way I found out was this. I was in Mexicali. I went to visit her and I brought my brother this time and I brought some friends and they said, well, let's go dance, you know, to Mexicali. Let's go to a nightclub in Mexicali. So we're having a good time in Mexicali. This is Mexico now. And then I, I said, like, what do you do for a living? I'm we're in the dance floor because she brought her friends and we're in the dance floor. And she's like, I'm a Border Patrol agent. You're a Border Patrol agent? I, that's when I find out. And, and, and I said, your friend too? And she's like, yeah. And I'm in Mexico in a discotheque, just having a good time. And I just start screaming out to my brother, my friend, hey, bro, they're Border Patrol. <laughs> and she, her face just turns white, grabs me. She runs the other girl. They start running out. We bail out. I'm like, what's going I'm freaking out. I don't know why, why we're running now. And as soon as we're in the truck and we're heading towards the border, she says, you cannot say that. You understand? Right now, the cartel has $50,000 for any border patrol that are alive. We're talking about 2008, when it was the well, hottest. So well, that's you, you, how I found out she was a border patrol. Wow. Like, snitching well, around in the night. You're an though. idiot because you could have made yes. hundred grand that night. Oh, I never thought about that way. You're right. Oh, I didn't know her back then. I could have really used that money. <laughs> you could have used that money. <laughs> Jesus. Wow, what 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 a story! But but of course, love is blind, and you know what they're 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 doing, they're doing their job. You know whether they they yeah. believe it wholeheartedly. I'm sure some enforce it more than others, and are and are you know uh, more almost racist about it. But but you know she's doing her job, and you know hey, she's protecting our country's borders. We can't just have open borders. No other Look, country does. But this, this being married to her, I got an opportunity to just dig in there and say, "Dude, what's what's going on? Like, what's going on in that border? Like, why is there this big stigma?" And he says, "We don't mistreat people. This is the promise. For years, they were mistreated by other border patrol agents. As the years go by, we're trained. We have sensitivity training. We have uh, certain trainings. We we have certain regulations. You're not supposed to." Uh, put your hands on this person. We, we're really, really nice to everybody, regardless of their drug dealers or not, regardless of the average. We're really nice, but the stigma is still there. Sure. It's not going to go away because nobody ever promotes the nice things we do. The people that we do save out there in that desert, the people that almost died, the people that we drag out of there. The, I, I've saved little babies. Like we're, we're out there giving them CPR because the parents decided to bring them through that border and I saved this kid. But nobody's applauding that border patrol agent. They're not applauding the, the cartels or the terrors that they're stopping or the drugs that they stop, but they crucify them for stopping illegal immigration. And, 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 in, and in a sense, look, I, I'm Mexican-American and I made it very clear. This is my motherland too. It's not that I love Mexico less, but I have a daughter that lives here now and she's an American. She's a Mexican-American and she learns Spanish and English and she will appreciate both countries. But, I still have to have a good country for her to be in. You understand? Like, I still have to protect her and, and make sure that this is our home. I build my home here. You build your home there. We both respect each other. But it's going to be an ongoing problem. When, the, when there's need, when you're a developing country like Mexico and there is need, I can't blame them either. You understand? If, if you're asking me as a father, would I risk everything? Yes. To give my yeah. kid a better life? Yes. So... You know, you're torn. You're torn. Have you uh, have you put her to, uh, to work yet, selling crack or anything? Or, or she's eight. No, she's seven. 
but we 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 are starting slow baby steps just weed for now i want her to know how to do pre-rolls so i'm working with a couple of dispensaries and they just bring the the raw material and then we pre-roll and she's there oh my god <laughs> oh no my god it's a niña ah oh, the thing she does with those, those papers but it, it, look it she's she gets creative she does holiday things with zigzags and stuff like that oh it's beautiful yeah, i love it um, i love it great but, the, the but, mission continues but i did have a question so and you kind of i mean you mentioned that you didn't gloss over it, but your mom actually cooked the crack i mean she, she learned how to do it and i know yeah, yeah yeah but, but this is this is the thing it's so many people would say that to me say where was your mom in all this where, what world do you live in that you think my mom had a right to speak? Yeah, yeah. What, where, what world did you live in? Because in the world I live in, my mom did not get an opinion. She got an order. She got ordered to do something. So when people say, where was your mother and all this? She she was right next to us making sure we didn't get hit. Yeah, That's yeah. what she, she was. So don't judge my mom. My dad right. made a decision, but at the end of the day, my mom said, Mijo, what do I do? Run away with four kids? If your dad and me couldn't do it together, you think me running away with you four? I'm going to make it out there? Because I have to do whatever your dad tells me to do at this point. Right. Either that yep. or, or, we, or we live in this room forever. And you're like, okay, it is what it is. We're going to do what we got to do. That's so it's, e it's yeah. easy for people to point fingers. It's easy for people to judge. And I, I would tell people, they tell me what happened to you was child abuse. I said, are you kidding me? I had a dad in 1988 in Compton. Do you know how many people wished they had my life? My dad didn't smoke crack. He sold crack to your dad. He had a job. <laughs> yeah. You understand how much time I got to spend with him because he wouldn't let me go out there and play? Because I was in there making crack with my dad. And in that time, dad will teach me this. This is what a man does. This is what you got to do. And I had all of his attention. The amount of respect you get from, from your father when he knows, shit, this kid is growing up way faster than we thought he was. But yeah. look, he's stepping up to, to the challenge, and I don't, I can trust him. I can leave him in the house. He knows the rules. He knows how everything works. Shit. All right. We got a partner. The bad thing We're, is I'm only 10, Dad. Oh my God, my, I'm only my. 10. <laughs> so, so you uh, were there, uh, I mean, there must have been non-Spanish speaking customers clients and customers but so you would just translate for them like yeah yeah every night every night every night when you live in a crack house every night there's gonna be knocks at the door like i would be sleeping during the day at school because i was up negotiating tools bicycles tvs whatever crack it brought my dad never turned down i guess that's he was a, not the smartest drug dealer either because he i mean we got a piano surfboard i said dad we don't even go to the beach he got a bus one night i'll tell you what happened one night my dad, the crack kid, I don't know where he got it in Compton, but he showed up with a goat and he wanted an eight ball. And I'm like, that, why, why do you want this goat? And my dad was stubborn. He's like, no, tell him I'll give him two grams. And, and I'm negotiating. I'm, I'm tired. I'm like, dad, why do you want a goat? Where the hell are we going to put a goat? He goes, shh, the goat is pregnant. I got that. I was like, what? How do you know that the goat is pregnant? He says, I've been dealing with goats all my life as a kid. This one is a goat. Where he doesn't know what he's giving up. <laughs> he was so Chivos, like, man. That's Chivo, right? I mean, the, the food. Chivo goat. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you make barbacoa from it. My father was no. from Monterrey, Mexico. Yeah. I think that's what they're known for is their Chivo, man. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And so my dad negotiated, he got the goat. And uh, sure enough, a week later, the goat gave birth to two little goats. So now we have a makeshift corral in the backyard in Compton with goats. I'm like, Dad, why do we want goats? <laughs> he says, para la leche, mijo. Goat milk. Really? Dad, we sell crack cocaine. We can afford regular milk. Why would you buy goat? It's mejor. La del goat, the goat milk is way better milk. <laughs> Your dad was a yuppie before the, such a thing existed. He was oh, this, I mean, he would have made himself at home at Whole Foods. Like, yeah, mira, goat milk. Yeah. Everything. Everything would have been fine. Yes, he would have been a yuppie. But he was a different kind of person. He liked old school. But one day those goats, why? Because those goats escaped that makeshift corral. Those little goats, they grew up and they were able to jump over the corral. Sure. So agile as a small little goats. Well, they ended up at the Calimex eating the produce. They ended up in the supermarket. They get out of the corral, the two little goats, and they ended up in the corner supermarket in the Calimex. And the neighbor sees them and calls and says, Hey, your goats are in the supermarket. So now my dad gets the pickup truck. Orale, vamonos! And we're all rushing to the supermarket to get our goats. And sure enough, my dad, get in the back. The goats go in the front. They're going to jump again. So now we're in the back of a pickup truck. Goats are inside in the cabin with my dad. We get there. And sure enough, the cops show up right behind us. You know what I mean? Like, what is the Calimex going to do? There's goats here. We have to call 911 and tell them there's goats. So the cops show up. Now, remember, Paul, we're selling crack. We don't need this kind of attention. And now the cops are here. My dad has a goat right in front of him. And the cop goes, sir, you can't have livestock here. This is <laughs> illegal. Do you have another goat? He says, no, this is the only goat. Of course, we had another goat. He's lying. If, sir, I'm going to have to go in there and check. Now, I don't have a search warrant. I'll come back with, back with one. But you let me know, is this your goat? And is there another goat? And my dad's like, no, this, this is a food. He goes, what? It's a food I eat. It's a food. He says, no, sir, that is a live goat. That is livestock. Oh, okay. It's a life. It's a livestock. Okay. My dad grabs his knife in front of the cop and slices the throat of the goat right in front of him. And now goes, it's food. Food. <laughs> it's food. <laughs> the cop just got in the cop. <laughs> he says, ah, not my problem anymore. We don't even need animal control. He just made it food in a second. I was like, oh, my God, he slit that throat, <laughs> that goat's throat. I don't think any hip hipster would have done that, bro. <laughs> no, fuck no. That, <laughs> but it, it, it freaked me out. I still story. remember that moment, man, because I'm like, if he did that to the goat, imagine what he's going to do to us. Fuck, yeah. Like, oh, that's, that's what the cop thought, too. <laughs> yeah, he was, the cop was I, like, I'm getting out of here before this motherfucker slashes my throat. Yeah, so, man, <laughs> like this, you end up, you end up becoming a comic, man. <laughs> yeah what else can you possibly do of course you yeah, i mean yeah. these these stories are great what was your first experience with comedy i mean not maybe growing up you were funny and entertaining and all that because that's usually what seems to be the story like oh i was you know the funniest kid in school or whatnot but then uh did that happen with you i mean you were tired my god you must have been exhausted from 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 selling <laughs> crack and all that yeah <laughs> the crap the crack always helped uh, no, um, I remember as, as, a, as a small kid, because I come from five, uh, four other brothers, four other siblings, so all boys. 
And we were all craving my dad's attention. And, and I remember that at the age of five, my dad would get so drunk, get out of the bars at three in the morning, and he would wake me up because during the day, he had taught me all these dirty Spanish pepito jokes. And what he loved to do was get drunk with his friends, bring them over to the house. Of course, I have to go to kinder the next day, a kindergarten, and but my dad would wake me up, give me a Budweiser and a cigarette. He says, Mijo, tell him the jokes, and he would give me a dollar. And I would perform jokes at three in the morning for my dad on top of his car. And his buddies thought it was the funniest thing. And I thought it was great because he would wake me up. He wouldn't wake any other brother up of me. So I kept learning these jokes. So the age of eight, I always was that guy that would tell these dirty jokes to my dad and all his friends. Do you, you obviously, I mean, you remember, would you be uh, gracious enough to share just one or two of those jokes? I, I, I hate telling comedians, oh, tell me a joke. No, no, no. It's Spanish. Like- Spanish is okay. These, these jokes are, 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 are like given, like these are like, like vaudeville stuff, but it's like in Espanol, in Spanish. Yeah, uh, please. Y llega el borracho con el cantinero y le dice, oiga, cantinero, présteme su teléfono, voy a llamar a mi casa, mi vieja. Vieja, prepárate para hacer el amor cinco veces. Ay, viejo, ¿a poco vienes tan cachondo? No, vengo con cuatro amigos. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so it would be jokes like that, dirty jokes like that. Like we're gonna get ready to have sex five times. Ooh, are you that horny? No, I'm coming with four friends. <laughs> brilliant, uh, brilliant. But so, but even like you know, you, you're drunk acting, and you you've got a beer and a cigarette right yeah. at five. You're... Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. It was. Uh, but why is I? I would drink half of it and like blow the smoke out. But my mom would know that he had snuck me out because I would pee my pants. Like you can't, you can't shove a Budweiser down this kid's throat and not expect him to pee his pants. Now he he's smelling like you're going to kindergarten because mom couldn't give him a shower. That they just change him. Let's go. I gave you a shower last night for this reason. Oh. My mom would be so upset. But once again, is she doesn't have a choice, man. It was they were just raised differently. Of course, of course. I mean, you know, I like to call those the good old days. Now they talk back to you. No, yeah. <laughs> it's horrible. Sorry, sorry. No, no, but 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 that's exactly it. You know, <laughs> my grandmother, my mother's mother, told her if Pablo, you know, who's my father, mm-hmm. if Pablo says that the sky is red and it's blue, it's red. I mean, this is her own mother telling her her daughter, you're going to do whatever, you know, you're his now, basically, like you're his now, whatever uh, he tells you, that, that's that's just the way it is. And, you know, my mom was, of course, feisty because she was uh, quite younger than my father, you know, and and, uh, and my dad always looked old, so, and, but always kept his hair, you know, full head of hair, uh, which was, I, I think my mom liked that. You know, everyone thought in, growing up when I was in kindergarten, they thought that my father was my grandfather because he, he had me when he was like in his forties. So, um, uh, he, and he already looked old, gray hair. And they thought my mom was my sister. So they would like rat me out a lot of times, like, like Maria, Maria, uh, your brother, Paul, like he did this. And then she'd be like, I'm, I'm going to go tell, I'm going to go tell, uh-huh. uh, you know, uh-huh. his dad or whatever. And then they thought that my dad was my grandpa. It was just, and, and, um, uh, there's a story that a guy from work came looking for my dad. And the thing is, my mom always called, called him daddy, you know, so that we would call him dad or daddy. So 
Uh, and it wasn't like in a creepy way, like like the kids use it now, like "Hey, Daddy," "Hey, Poppy," <laughs> and, uh, and and so the guy comes, knocks, and my mom answers the door. He's like, "Is Pablo here?" And uh, my mom goes, "Yeah, let me get him." She goes, "Daddy, Daddy." So he comes out, and apparently the guy thought he goes, "Oh, he goes, wow, your daughter's so nice." My father just starts seething. He's like, "Maria, Maria," you know. She comes out. He goes, "This is my wife." And the guy's like, oh, oh, my goodness, Pablo, sorry. I Wow, she looks so young. Like, Pablo, like, you know, like you're a pervert. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's uh, but you're right. It, it was it was one of those things where that's just the culture of the time. I mean, I guess I'm glad things are changing. But, you know, it's it's tough. It's a, it's something that I battle is that misogyny. And and it's like, well, don't ask me why. Just, I to, you know, I told you to do it. <laughs> type of a thing. So I guess that's why I'm single. I, I, I've come to my conclusions. I'm, I'm 44 and I go, you know what, babe? Uh, I don't care. You know what I mean? Do what, whatever you want to do. I'll do whatever I want to do. I, I get it. I, but I'm not going anywhere. This is it. Like I'm, leave, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to go anywhere. This is it. This is how it's going to work. If for some reason one day you do not love me anymore, I am not a selfish person. I want you to be happy. Go out there and find your other half and then bring him over here because he's going to pay half the rent because I'm not going anywhere. We're all going to live together. All right. He'll cut the grass in the front. I'll cut the grass in the back. Hell, we'll split the rent. I think I'm going to like this guy as long as he doesn't sit on my couch. But yeah, bring him. I don't care. I'll give you the big room with the bathroom because I love you guys. Trust me, you want date nights? I'm the best babysitter. She's my daughter. Do you only have one kid? Yes, and I'm not leaving her. I already told her, bring whoever you love. I'm staying here till she's 18. I mean, I'm and you've gone above and beyond the call of duty, from what I understand, with your daughter, uh, as yes. far as protecting her. Oh, no, yeah, dude. That is my biggest investment. That is it. That's my legacy. That's what I leave behind. If I can raise a decent human being with ethics and morals, ugh, there you go, Mija. Be strong, be beautiful, yeah. and be brave. That's amazing. And uh, you've taken photos, though, of yourself, have you not? Of myself? Or yeah, for, for when, when, when people, uh, when, when she gets to high school. Oh. And... oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. You don't understand. She is going to be a knockout. She is, gonna, she is already looking like her mom. She's going to be beautiful. But I know that somebody out there is going to ask her for, for a picture of her boobs. And this happens. Oh, this happens. And let's not be ignorant about this. Parents, open your eyes. Open your eyes and talk to your daughters and let them know, is your boyfriend pressuring you? Because there, there is the pressure. Show me a proof of your love. If you don't trust me, you won't send me this. So you know what you do, guys? What I did. I have boobs. I don't know if you can tell, but I have boobs. And let me tell you, nipples are beautiful, pink, delicious. Oh, my God. And I shaved my chest. This is what I did for my daughter right now. I shaved my chest, no hair, and then I put glitter glitter like this so it can look bigger and then I picked them up and I took a selfie and I took off my head and I took off my belly and all you see is my nice beautiful boobs and I'm saving that for my daughter <laughs> I am because when when she grows up and I see Mika if your boyfriend ever pressures you to show him one of those pictures send him that tell him they're the Villa boobs here you go you're not lying to him so when they start spreading it around to these kids they can't keep the secret they're gonna put it up on social media my daddy can go there you go those are my daddy's boobs this is what i'm gonna do i can't wait to go to the school and they discover that those were my boobs you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna go and whistle the guys go remember these guys 
<laughs> and they're going to get a little hard on, bro. They're going to get a little hard on, and they don't know why. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> that is genius, my friend. Uh, I, I, I mean, you've gone above and beyond what most other parents are going to do. No, no, you gotta be, you gotta be uh, innovative. You understand? You gotta beat sure. these kids to the punch, man. You, you gotta be proactive when it comes to this type of shit. <laughs> I, I love it, and I'm sure you're gonna ask them then to uh, hashtag you and, and tag you if if they if they start spreading your your, your man boobs. All yes. Over. So I'm sure yes. if I go if I go if I go viral with my man boobs, bro. Can you imagine that? All these girls are going to go to their doctors. No, I want the saggy look, just like Richards. I want the saggy look. No, can you add hair to mine? Oh, my God, I want it to be like Richards. <laughs> I want the Richard with a beautiful yeah. pink nipple. And, and, pretty, and pretty soon I'm going to do a service to a lot of people. There's men out there that say, well, Richard, I'm not gifted as you. I don't have boobs like you. Mine look too masculine. I don't have a husband to do that for me. I am going to provide them with a picture. I am ready to just show you step by step on how to shave your chest take the selfie and make it look like cleavage we're gonna go through a whole tutorial so if they want to join me on tiktok i will let them know so they can do it on their own at home i think it's i, I love your tiktok i think it's brilliant and especially <laughs> using it for good i mean uh, <laughs> if you need help let me know because i'm i think i'm going to help out you know some single moms out there i love single moms so yeah let me Yes, yeah. yes, I do. These boobs are going to go out there to help the entire community. But I need more guys that have the courage to do what I'm doing because right away they're going to catch on. You know, these kids sure. are going to see my boobs. Oh no, we not. Those are Richards. We, we recognize need more boobs. We need more support. I'm starting a group. If you want to join me, it's Men Boobs of America, where we all basically donate our boobs to to families and little girls that are being pressured to show their body. <laughs> go there. And collect mems with boobs. I mean, I don't know. There's different types of tones of skin. So we're going to need African-American, Asian. We're going to yeah. need Latinos. I want everybody represented in man boobs across America. So if you can help me with this, Paul, this would be great. There's a lot of single mothers out there that would need our help. So I think it's a good cause. We're going to do it. And I, you know what? I am a, I am a big fan, uh, of course, of the boobs and whatnot. But, I, but I'm more of a fan of, of helping out there and using social media to do that. And I think... Uh, TikTok is a great platform uh, where, where, I mean, I saw that. Oh, well, that did remind me, though. I studied nursing, actually, in college. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, <laughs> nice. nice. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Um, but no. Uh, so but your TikTok is very interesting uh, because uh, I'd like to get up to those. You know, we have like 23000 followers. Was that just organic or? I'm guessing it's organic, but you've put out some both of your comedy, but also some very helpful videos uh, helping immigrants across the border from Mexico cross into the U.S. Okay. And so. so the whole thing is, you know, I was married to this woman who was a border patrol agent. So I got a lot of knowledge. I, 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 I gathered a lot of knowledge on strategies that they use, tips, things that they're doing, how to survive out there. I mean, it goes from merchandise that you can use to actually cross the border. So she would tell me all these tricks. Like, for example, uh, what would she tell me? Smell all the illegal immigrants. Smell them all. Smell the group. Whoever smells like perfume or like he took a shower that day, because everybody else is going to sting. Whoever smells the freshest, that's the coyote. That's the guy that's guiding them because he got to eat breakfast that morning and take a shower before he went out. 
And she says, that's how we know the difference. I was like, wow. So now I'm telling the world, hey, guys, if you're a coyote, go in there stinky, bro. Don't even take a shower because they're going to get you. Second, morcajete. And people have commented on this. People that are not from Mexico, maybe more from uh, other parts of Latin America, Ecuador, Chile, Venezuela. Un morcajete is the grinding stone. Sure. The mortar and we know. Yeah. 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 A a grinding stone that we use in Mexico to make salsa. Well, Latin America doesn't call it molcajete. And there's no reason why you should bring one when you're going to cross the border. It's dead weight. So what Border Patrol agents say, where are you from? They want to say Mexico. So they just get tossed on the very other side of the fence. But when you say Chile, they send you all the way to Chile. So they lie and say, I'm from Mexico. And they're like, no. Okay, you're Mexican. Where's your molcajete? Every Mexican brings his molcajete. Did you bring yours? And they start pretending like they lost their molcajete. And they're like, no, nah, you don't even know what that is. You're getting deported. That, they catch wow. you with key words, man. Molcajete. So there's, now, there's a hundred of these that, I, that she would tell me these tricks of the trade that I can give people to learn. Okay, this one we can cross. That's brilliant. Now, <laughs> I also saw a shoe. Is, is this for real? Is it a joke or is it really a shoe? No. That- Made These or Brinco shoes. They've been around for a while since my wife was a Border Patrol agent. She actually got to see them. This is where to get these shoes because they have a map of the California border all the way through Texas on the bottom of the shoe. So if you get lost, you can just get your shoe and turn it around and it's an actual map. Okay. It comes with compartments that you can hide money or anything else underneath the shoe with zippers that are very hidden. So even if the coyotes come in and take off your shoes, they won't know. They can't rob you. You'll still have money there. It comes with a compass, it comes with a knife, it comes with matches, it comes with a bunch of little things that come into a shoes. And what they do is they donate these to people that are going to cross the border. Um, if you ever want to know, if you ever wanted to help these people, they're usually in the local parks. That's where they're waiting to cross. So that's where they'll sleep at night. That's where they're in hanging Mex- out in Mexicali, in Mexicali, in Mexicali. Tijuana. Yeah. There's certain parks that are dedicated just for them. Hay refugio, there's certain places there around there because they know they go to the park that they can get the food. Uh, so if you wanted to donate for people that are still out there and they haven't crossed, for people that sometimes just get stuck there, man. They just say, well, sure. this is it. This is home now. Well, you've given me uh, inspiration because I, I'm i going to I'm gonna go to Mexico, close, close to LA or Vegas. I'm gonna get caught. And when they're like, where are you from? I'm, I'm like, uh, you know, do the whole molcajete thing and then go like, all right, I'm from Chile because I've always wanted to visit Chile. So there maybe, they'll, they'll maybe, hey, hey, Patagonia. Go. I'm from Patagonia. Oh my God, that is brilliant. <laughs> Me and my wife, we're going to go to Cancun, but forget this. <laughs> we're going to go to the border. <laughs> I speak Spanish, you speak Spanish. <laughs> They'll pay for the trip. Fuck it. Yeah. Now, you know what? My, my little girl will wrap me out. Her accent is really thick. She's a Nosabo kid. She's okay. No sabo donde we go. No sabo. Oh, oh my God. Never mind. For those of you that don't speak Spanish, it's it's no sepo. No, I'm kidding. No it's, sepo. Uh, <laughs> no se. No se. <laughs> She's so dumb. It's actually no sepo. No sepo dijir. But that's so funny that they would use these tricks. So, because I, I wasn't sure if, if it was, so it really is like a public service announcement, the border crossing. Yeah, one no, no, no. Yeah, it really yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. You Like, for example, your containers, you have to, you're going to carry a gallon of water, but water is reflective. So you need to spray paint it with a uh, flat black paint outside 
make sure that, that that doesn't reflect and then fill it up with water. Do not take containers with just water or bottles of water. They're going to reflect in the helicopter or the border patrol can see it from far away. Amazing. Wow. Okay. So, so, so great tips so that, uh, so that we can reappropriate Aslan so we can take Aslan. Oh, there you go. So now also watering holes, I'll have a map posted up where you can actually create your route around those watering holes because you will run out of water, but there are people that go out there and fill up those water holes. So people that are out in the desert can get some. And of course, there are people out there that go out and destroy those, you know, the. Oh yeah, of course. Of course they go in or the worst thing is sometimes if they poison it or they or they do anything to it, that would be even worse. You know what I mean? So yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So yeah, it's it's something that I thought it was fun, and just because it was so much knowledge, and my brother says, "What else besides comedy could you contribute to TikTok?" And I said, "Well, I can get every vice over here with a bunch of advice." And he's like, "Well, there you go, man. How to cross the border 101. You know, just That's start brilliant. naming every little tip." how to disguise your footprints, how they track you down. Um, they, they use these tires dragging around the road so they can see your footprints. So what you want to do is put a carpet underneath your feet or cardboard. And so you'll never leave walking, a footprint. You, it, looks like, it, 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 it looks like real thick, shaggy carpet. That's it. It looks like a pattern. That's it. That It goes away. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Oh my god. Uh, so yeah, how did you get to twenty three thousand followers? Which you know, some people are like, "Oh, okay. I'm a million," and then other people are like, "I'm I just I only have a couple hundred. Uh, what I what I ended up doing nothing is just my brother. Uh, he's he's South Central Dad. I don't know if you know who South Central Dad is, but he he uh, works for BuzzFeed, and he was telling me, "Why don't you do this? Why don't you do this?" And I said, "Because I don't know. I don't know. For twenty years, I've never known. I don't know this." And my brother's like, "Really?" Well, how much material do you have? All of this, 20 years of jokes. What do you want to do with this? Give it to me. Let the world see it. You don't do it anymore, right? No. You have any material, right? Yeah. Can I burn these eight hours? Yeah. So that's all he did. He said, here we go. Let the world see your jokes. Boom, 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 boom. And that's it. He said, just put up all this material. Why aren't you putting it up? I don't know. I don't even know how to put a title. This is difficult for me. I'm on a cell phone right now going like, God, it works. You understand? So I'm 44. When I started, I was giving out flyers to people. Do you understand? That's how I promoted my comedy shows. I had had a a little black book in my wallet and I opened it up and I would send text message to everybody. One after one. (laughs) That's it. So my brother, knowing what he knows, he's, he's helped me out a lot in seven days, man. This blew up in seven days. Really? Wow. Seven days. This blew up. So how long have you been on TikTok then? No, I've been on TikTok for a long time, but, but it was, I, I was at maybe, I was maybe at 300 when I first started. And then I put up a Vicente Fernandez and Luis Alba meeting. And that one went viral when they two met. Cause it's you're like, wow, it, how did these two end up together? Tell us the story. And so, <coughs> sorry. So when this happened, no, no. Uh, TikTok went crazy. And they're like, oh my God. And everybody starts sharing and then Vicente dies. So it just goes, my account goes to 5,000. But my brother says, but that's Vicente. You're not going to get another 300 Vicentes. You, where's your material? And I said, oh, yeah, you're right. He says, okay, now let's, let's, let's promote Richard. Here you go. And so he started doing all this. Thing. He says, work with other people, man. Start collaborating with other people. Yeah. And, and I'm going to tell you something what the frustration was that I told my brother in this whole social media game is this. 
Now that I see there's an audience, now that I see that they're responding, it motivates me to write even more. It motivates yeah. me to create even more because I know there's an audience and you are listening. So I'm going to make more. I get more and more excited. And, and, and it's hard to even get started because you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel because it went to the Vicente Fernandez video and then it stayed there for like a year and did not move. I was like, wow. And, and I would try and try and try and nothing, nothing, nothing. And my brother said, no, it's your material. Just give him your stand up, man. What do you want to be known for? A mechanic or a stand up? Then why are you doing mechanic videos? Do videos that you want people to know you for. Mm -hmm. I said, all right. That's it. And then at the end of the 101 Ways to Cross the Border, that's going to become a copy book. I'm going to grab every single TikTok. <laughs> and so I only got to get to 101. And it's going to become a copy book that I can give to fans or sell it or do whatever. Brilliant. But that's Yeah, that's it. So get ready for the copy book. <laughs> yeah, the illustrations and everything. Let's. Uh, I'll do whatever I can to you know promote it, of course, but also sell it on our on our website. We'll do whatever we need to do to to to, to move it. Uh, you sell it in Vegas. With, uh, we'll, we'll talk to Johnny Johnny Toyshack. Yeah. See, see if he wants to sell it there. You know? <laughs> uh, the cigar, though, I want to try some cigars. I'm a cigar fan, man. I want to try okay. some. Yeah, I, I'll go to uh, the shop. Yeah, we'll we'll get together. We'll smoke some Vato cigars. Oh, yeah. We have mild, medium, bold, extra bold. You know, you tell me what your favorite cigar is, and then I can show you or or you know give you what what I think you're going to really enjoy, and I'll probably be pretty close. I've been doing this I, for a long time. Yeah, see, my habit was always every Friday night after Refry Fridays at the Hollywood Improv. We uh, before I would always be at the V Cut at a cigar shop oh, right next right door. Next door. Yeah. yeah, and I, that was my hangout spot every Friday night for 10 years. If you wanted to see me or get a spot or talk to me, you would find me at the V-Cut next door. I, I would love just it. smoke cigars for 10 years. So now I remember when you got your cigars. I remember when you first got them out. I was like, look at this guy. He got a cigar. And I was thinking, man, maybe I should get a cigar. And then I said, no, I'm going to go do Spanish comedy. And left. <laughs> you know what? It's not too late. Uh, we can create a cigar for you. You know, so absolutely. We can we can do a really. A comedy or a comedy cigar or a Richard Villa cigar, you know? Wow. Okay. I, I like a, a nice mild, uh, sure. no, a nice, a nice medium, uh, Cohiba Red Dot. If you know the taste of a Cohiba Red Dot or El Rey del el Mundo. El Rey del, del, del Mundo, yeah. El Rey del Mundo or Cohiba Red Dot, that, that flavor is just delicious. Rey del it, Mundo también is why I like it so much. I don't know if it's the cheapest cigar, if it's the most expensive, but I like it. You know, so cigars shouldn't. I mean, I'm, I'm giving like away one. Here. They shouldn't cost more than a couple bucks, you know, because the material, what it costs to make, you know, maybe fifty cents. You know, it doesn't matter if it's a Cohiba or a Vato cigar, but you know, it's all the marketing. You know, so of course you're gonna pay twenty, thirty bucks for a Cohiba, or if you want the Cuban Cohibas, you know, they're harder to get. They're illegal, yeah. whatnot. But uh, it sounds like you like like a nice medium. Almost to full-bodied cigar. I mean, yes, you might. I Dominican tobacco is one of my favorite. Dominican mm -hmm. tobacco is one of my favorite. I'm like, wow, this. I, I don't know. I just really, really like the taste. And I've tasted Cubans. I've tasted other cigars. But I figured after years of sitting there in that V cut, I kept asking, "Hey, what's this? How's this?" And it's like, "All right, okay." He says, "Yeah, you every 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 cigar is is Dominican." I was Perfect. like, "Oh, really? All right, cool." That's, That's your flavor. Taste. That's my flavor. Yeah, I, I was uh, Davidoff made a lot of my cigars. Uh, the our Las Vegas blend, which was mild, mild but very flavorful. So, mm -hmm. uh, 
that was made by Davidoff in the Dominican with all Dominican tobacco. But then we have other blends that are made in mm-hmm. Florida by a Cuban cigar roller. Uh, and that's our, our Aloha blend, our Cuban blend. We call it a Cuban blend, which is probably what you would like. It's our homage to the Cuban cigar. Our Kansas blend, which is a double wrapper, has two wrappers on the outside. And uh, our Black Diamond, which is our boldest cigar. And then we make one that's 18 inches long called the oh. All In. All In? Okay, have you tried the All In? Of course, yeah, yeah. Okay, did you throw up? You know what? No, because I will smoke it over a course of weeks, and I used it for advertising. So I'd walk out on Fremont Street with a 18-inch cigar. Oh. Like, where did you get that? I'd be like, at Vato Cigars. They make they have some of the best cigars in Vegas. You know, and I'm you know I'm Paul Vato, but I'm walking around advertising it, and uh, and or if somebody somebody else bought it, you know. But we had the guy that set the record was uh almost gonna faint you know uh, he had to go get food afterwards because he took it down in four hours and 10 minutes and this was and this was i think the the 18 inch by 60 ring gauge because we make a 50 a 60 and then we make an 80 ring gauge so maybe it was the 80 he took down in four hours and 10 minutes that's the that's the the world record for the all-in I did that. I grabbed the big 18 one. They had the V cut. He's like, really, Richard? I was like, just give it to me, man. Today, I'm going to be here all day. I'm gonna... I started smoking that thing an hour into it, bro. And I'm a, I am a habit cigar smoker. I left out of embarrassment because I knew I was going to throw up. I was so nauseous, bro. I left and I'm throwing up in an alley. And I'm like, oh, my God. Never... I threw that thing away. I was like, never again. I mean... It- it's like, probably like, it's uh, nicotine. It's 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 you yeah. know it's a lot of nicotine, but you have to do what the old Cuban men do, and that's why you always see them. Uh, you know they have little little blocks of sugar because sugar ne- negates the effects of nicotine. So if you ever feel this goes for anybody, if, if you've smoked a little too much and you're feeling a little lightheaded and you're feeling the effects of nicotine, because it feels a lot like a sunburn sometimes, uh, mm-hmm. when you can get it through your hands. Because you know I would roll cigars and some all of a sudden you start mm-hmm. feeling tingly. You're like holy shit! You, you eat some sugar. And it negates the effects of nicotine. Ah, see, I never knew that. All right, okay, now I know. Yeah, that's why these old Cuban men can sit around smoking all day. You know, su cafecito and a little sugar, fucking a sugar. They'll they'll uh, on a sugar cube and then smoke their cigars all day and like nothing. You know. Paul, would you ever get into stand up? Because I know we had this conversation. Have you ever dabbled into it? Have you ever decided, hey, I want to do this, man? I've, you know, you know what? Thank you for asking. And and yes, I've always wanted to do it. And I can tell you a little bit of what happened. And I think it's part of it is laziness. I think it, it's it's a combination of at first going, um, I, I'm not going to desecrate this this institution of stand up comedy. Maybe it was just an excuse. You know, or, you know, I don't really have a point of view. No one, no one's going to care what I have to say. And now that I'm older, I'm like, I definitely now have a point of view. Uh, but I feel like it's, it's the time has passed. But I got into improvisational comedy by mistake. Uh, and this was in Chicago. I went to study at the Second City. Well, Improv Olympic first. And that's where, you know, for people that don't know, uh, that's where all the great, I think, comedians came from. You know, and right now there's like Seth Myers and his brother Josh. But Seth has his own late night talk show. Uh, you know, Key and Peel, uh, uh, Colbert, Stephen Colbert, Stephen Carell, all those people, uh, Tim Meadows, Chris Farley going back. They all came out of the second city. So I fell in love with improv because, I, you know, at, at 23, I had a decision to make. Do I buy this business? I was a business broker selling businesses. Do I buy this business or do I go into Chicago and, and learn how to do stand up? And uh, I 
you know, none of my family had ever been in business for themselves. So I thought it'd be uh, a good thing. And it was, I mean, it was a gourmet ice cream and coffee shop in the Chicagoland area. Again, I, when I bought it, I was 200 pounds. When I sold it, I was 300 pounds. That's how delicious this ice cream was. And, you know, much like a dealer, I was getting high on my own supply of ice cream. Uh, so I, I, you know, and then every year it's been like, oh, well, next year I'm going to try stand up next year. I'm going to try stand up and all of a sudden 30 years go by and I haven't tried it. So that's why I, I, I really do want to Richard. And, uh, I've, I've done it maybe uh, to be honest, I've done it four or five times. I took a class back in the nineties with Dobie Maxwell at Zany's in Chicago. I don't know if you've been there. Um, but then, you know, so, so I know comedy, I understand comedy and I, and Bobby Lee would tell me like, he goes, man, he goes, you just got to get up there and do it. He goes, you know, you, you haven't lived till you've bombed on stage. He goes, I do all the time. I go, no, you don't, because I've never seen him bomb. He's he's a genius when it comes to stand-up. Uh, and then he became a great actor, an improviser and sketch guy, you know. Um, and then um, I was, uh, about three years ago, I can't remember if it was three or four years ago, New Year's Eve, I opened for Steve Byrne uh, here in Vegas. And by open, I mean, he was gracious enough to let me do five minutes uh, before Gary Cannon came up to do his hosting and uh, mm -hmm. I, I was like, man, he took a big chance. I'm like, I'm sorry if I ruined your show. He was like, no, he goes, it was, you know, like it was good. It was by no means great. So, uh, I, and I've got, I've got thousands probably of jokes written, you know, or ideas and stories. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, I just interviewed Butch Bradley, uh, and uh, he was a, a resident headline comedian here in Vegas. Yeah. At, at, Did you buy his wife's salsa? What's that? Did you buy his wife's salsa? No, this, he didn't Bradley's, talk about. It. Oh my God, it's the best salsa you'll ever have, Butch. And Bradley, he sells it. If, if it's give him this video, dude. Your wife's salsa, amazing, dude. I want to go back just so I can buy another case. She, he, I don't know if that was the only time she did it, but I, Butch Bradley was nice enough to let me go up there and do some time too. He's a regular there at uh, the LA Comedy Club. Uh, With and yeah. Was, yeah, and and so. He had his wife's salsa and it was warm. They had they had just produced it. And I was like, oh. so I go upstairs. I'm I'm with my wife at the at the hotel in the casino. And then I'm like, babe, look this. We're having salsa and all that. So I was like, wow, this is great salsa. And then on the way back, we're still eating the salsa. I was like, man, this is good salsa. So if you see him, ask Butch Bradley, hey, give me, give me some salsa from your wife. Man. Don't be me. Oh my goodness. I feel like we didn't get to cover that uh because I just interviewed him a few days ago. Uh, but but we I think we're we're gonna do maybe it was last week we're gonna do a show um, I think maybe here on Fireside where he's going to help me with with my stand up and you know like okay there's a hit that's something that we keep there's something that we keep so so thank you for for asking and I'm sorry I, I like then just derailed the conversation to be about me but no uh, no, no but 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 I, I was curious because I've known you for a long time even I even saw you in a, a, a improv Olympic when I first started when I was just starting I know you guys were performing there and I got invited by you you were you were uh, putting together a show and through Martina Trucci and other comedians we had met that long time ago and so we I always kept seeing your career I saw when you were doing Matt TV I saw when you were doing the tabat uh, the cigars and all that and I was like why is this guy not doing stand up. I want to do it, man. I, I, I really, I really want to do uh, do it, and I, I really think now having thank you uh, now having this podcast, I think has also really inspired me and motivated me. I, you know, I, I think I've done everything backwards. You know, most people uh, start working for a company and work their whole lives, and and then uh, at when they start to get to their fifties, forties, fifties, sixties, then they're like, you know what? I'm gonna start a business. 
I did it backwards. I started, you know, a business when I was 23 or, you know, I took over a business and then started another company here in Vegas. And now I'm just like, I either want to work for someone else or, or follow my dream and do stand up. I want to, and you know what? I want to be on the road. I don't care. I mean, okay, I'm old now. Man. But listen, uh, here, same thing is what I did now is put myself in a situation where I, I pick what I want to do, but I had to do this. And in 2013, I had to go to Mexico and start all over again. Do you understand? They, they took the hottest show in Hollywood, the Latino show, the refry show, and they told me no more shows. And that for 10 years was a staple at the Hollywood Improv Friday nights. That was the yeah, hottest show. I remember Everybody that. Everybody went back. So when 2013, they tell me, nope, we're cutting the show. You're not going to do it here anymore. I was like, that is it. I was like, all right, then I'm going to go to Mexico and bring every Mexican comedian over here and do it in Spanish. And so I left. And that summer, I left with one phone number, and I head to Mexico City to find stand-up. And in 2013, I found it at a place called El Beer Hall in Mexico City. It had just started. What was it called? El, El Beer Hall. El Beer Hall. Just a beer hall. El Beer Hall? El Beer Hall. Yes. <laughs> El Wonderful. Beer Hall. And, uh, and, and that's where... Go ahead. No, I would say uh, Rocksteady and, and some of the people in the audience uh, want to know where they can find you on TikTok, which I think is Richard Comedy. Yes, Richard Comedy. They can find me Richard, there on Richard, Com Richard Comedy. Richard yeah. Comedy on TikTok and, and Instagram and all that. So and Instagram. Thank you guys for asking. So, so yeah, because when I first moved out so, to L.A., uh, I was at the Improv Olympic. We, we brought a show from Chicago called Touched by an Anglo. And, of course, it was topical because there was Touched by an Angel was on at the time. And uh, our group was Barrio Speedwagon. And uh, it was a comedy group, and we—that's we, how we found agents and managers. And then that's how I got on. You know, ended up doing some TV. I did, you know, Matt TV and Cedric the Entertainer and the Sarah Silverman show. I was on a soap opera. I was on Bold and the Beautiful because I'm both bold and beautiful. You know, for, for a couple. Of months. <laughs> I was a bad guy, of course. I'm Latino, of course. I was a kidnapper. I was a bad guy. Of course. And uh, and uh, um, but I remember your show because what it probably started in what early like two thousand three, right? Two thousand three, yeah. two thousand. Yep. And uh, so why did they no longer want to do it in two thousand thirteen? Was it because of you listen? Or the I, show? I I I I get the politics now of it. I get the politics of it because it, it is a struggle when you're dealing with management and you're dealing with other artists. You understand that stage Friday night ten o'clock. There's a full house. And there's a bunch of comedians that have a lot of credit slobbering at the opportunity to go on that stage. But I was a gatekeeper. And I would tell them, no, 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 no. I brought these Latino comedians for this Latino crowd. See, this never happens any other day. But Friday's at 10 o'clock. You guys don't book any of the Latino comics any other night. So this <laughs> is their night, yes. Hang on one second. Uh, I think you're breaking up, and I don't know if it's if it's, it's me. Uh, audience, is 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 Richard breaking up? Can you applaud? Because I I don't know if it was, and we we can yeah, cut this out. Applauding. No, it's okay. Uh, it uh, could just be me. Yeah, because it was kind of like warbling a little bit. So it could be the app. It could be me, uh, or it could be you. Because it sounds like other people can hear you. Can hear you? Okay. Um, okay. I want to make sure that this is back connected. Oh, I think it's because this thing went back. Let me get more okay. power in here. Maybe that's it. Could be help. your internet. You, you, you know what? Let's take like a two minute break so I can grab some. Well, I was just going to grab water. I was just going to turn around and grab some water. Yeah, grab some water. No worries. We're good. And I'm connected again.
I'm going to do the show facing away from you, just like Jim Morrison. All right. Sounds good to me. <laughs> I don't care as long as yeah. it gets recorded. <laughs> you just don't like drinking in front of people. That's it. That's it. Um, but yeah, it was it was that platforming because at that time I, I wanted to be selfish and I only wanted Latinos on that stage because I felt we never got another chance. Even the day that they told me, Richard, you only have two more shows. The day that they told me you only have these two last Fridays, I told my manager at the time, cancel whoever we have booked and give it to all the open micro Latinos. Find as many Latinos as you can get with a Latino name. You put them on that show and make sure all of them at the least do three minutes. We had shows of 12 to 13, 14 people. Just because I wanted them to leave and say, bro, that's what it feels like because they're not going to give you another chance to, to another five or 10 years. So at least you got to taste a little bit. There you go. Man, well, thank you. Because, and, and you know what? I mean, like, I, I'm, I, I get it. You know, I get business. I, I get it. And, and, but. And the uh, okay, okay. Can I, can, can I tell you where my mistake was now? Yeah. After all this, it sounds, everything sounds so heroic and wah rah, but I should have really built a relationship with those other comedians who are outside, black, white, Asian, and I should have built more relationships with them because I shouldn't have alienated myself, honestly. If, if I would, because I would think, no, Latinos is ours and don't take this and, rah, 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 and we don't have nothing. And that was my mentality back then. But now I think about it and go, no, you invite them to play and they love what you bring. They're going to invite you to play. You got to learn how to share. Don't, don't, don't put a label on it and don't share. Now, if I have a Latino show, no, I want to expose my Latino audience to new voices Give them new perspectives, new points of views. I don't want us to just think Latino. I want us to think brighter than that. So I'm going to have to bring comedians like USCK. I want to invite comedians like Dave Chappelle. I want to invite comedians that are going to bring another perspective, not just a Latino perspective. And I want my audience to grow. Why do we keep ourselves there? And that, I learned so much. Right? I learned from my mistakes. And I realized, yes, they cut me out because I wouldn't let them play. And it was one of the biggest nights, but I understood because they needed to make space. If you're not going to play with everybody, then we, we're going to make sure it's more diverse. Well, and, and, but, but and, also, it and it did it, but it didn't. By the way, there was no other Latino yeah. after that. We didn't get shit, by the way. <laughs> but but I also understood that building that relationship, something that I tell a lot of Latino kids is, I know you don't feel included. I know you feel ostracized. I know when you go to Hollywood, you don't fit in. I know you feel uncomfortable. But the only people that are going to hire you in Hollywood are in Hollywood. The only opportunities you're going to get are there in Hollywood. Do you understand? You need to go there. You need to be around there. If this is what you are, stand up. Why aren't you at the comics or Laugh Factory or Improv every, every day? Hustling and asking and creating relationships and shaking hands. Don't go. Don't stay in Riverside. Don't stay in La Puente. Don't stay in Huntington Park. They're not giving jobs there for comedians. The jobs are in Hollywood. And and see, and that's the thing, you know, a lot of times, so I don't know what to think because sometimes it's like, oh, well, Hollywood's keeping us out. But I'm like, well, maybe we're just not making that extra 30-minute drive to get into Hollywood. You know, be, be, right. you have to be in Hollywood. Because we're self, uh, what do you call it? Self-defeating? Self, yeah, like we don't, we, don't, we don't think we belong there. We don't feel included. Which is true. Equity inclusion is not happening here. I mean, we don't feel included. We don't feel... When you don't see anybody that looks like you on that stage day after day, day after day, you kind of go, maybe I don't belong here. Without even realizing, you walk away. 
that's what happened a lot at the comedy store. The reason a lot of Latinos would leave is because they always felt ostracized. They always mm -hmm. felt like they were not welcome. And so that is us doing that to ourselves. And I want comedians that are listening to this, go be nosy, ask questions, tap shoulders. It's okay. You know what I mean? We have to do that. So if you want to be represented, go be the first one. Tap on the show and say, can I get a spot? Have you even asked? How do you get on? Are you being nice to everybody? Or you just sit there and fucking go in a corner and not talk to anybody and expect somebody to just tap you on the show and say, hey, you look funny. Then you give you a career. <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> I think sometimes people think that. They're like, well, why can't they recognize my genius? You exactly. know, because like, you haven't done shit, you know? It's it's an ongoing thing, and at the end of the day, we're all responsible. You are responsible to represent who you are and, and where you come from. I'm responsible to represent who I am and where I come from, and, and, and we got to do a good job at it. I can't control what other people do. I can only do, control what I do, and it is what it is. And now I can give you advice. I can tell you how we can get in, but it's up to you to go and make the drive. Sure. Who was that saying? You can't get mad at the shit you didn't try or, or worked hard for? <laughs> the, the That's good to say, right? But you can't get mad because you didn't get it. You didn't work hard for it. <laughs> you didn't do anything for it. Did you do anything? No, no, you, no, you didn't drive no. to Hollywood. No, you didn't work on future materials. Well, there you go. You don't get to be George Lopez or, or James Hell. It's okay. Just admit it or change. <laughs> oh man, that is so true. I I realize that I never put our uh, your your website or well your at you know what people wouldn't have at Richard was, Comedy at Richard at Comedy. Richard Comedy yeah because uh, right. uh, there's a little uh, window that I can put all this information in and I was like why did they ask what it was isn't and then I I copied it but I never put it in at oh. Richard Comedy there's a little fortune cookie that you can add at the bottom so I, I see that. You yeah, yeah. I, I, I wrote it in, in the green room and then I copied it and then I totally, mm -hmm. I got so excited to see you. I totally forgot to mm -hmm. enter it. But now it's scrolling. People can just uh, tap on paulvato.com or they can, uh, now they know it's at Richard Comedy at TikTok. Um, but man, it's, I, you've done such, such great work. Uh, I know, that, and I don't know if this is something you want to talk about. And if maybe we save it for another date. I don't know how you're doing on time. But. <laughs> Uh, I mean, this this roasting that you're obviously very good at, uh, but also, <laughs> obviously not. <laughs> but obviously, and, and you know, you know who I'm having on the show late. I think it's later this week is Alex Hooper. I don't know if you know Alex Hooper. He does the Daily Lollipop, and he was on AGT America's Got Talent, and he roasted okay. the shit out of uh, like the the judges. I mean, he just uh -huh. said horrible things to him and, and but they, they loved him i mean the audience loved him simon's like oh my like what he made fun of like i don't know heidi klum or whomever but he's gotten like 75 million views on on social media and whatnot uh so he's going to be my guest on this on an upcoming show and he's actually written a book you know how to be a professional roaster uh and and, and all this and and uh uh but you know they actually brought him back so they enjoyed i think what he did uh, you, on the other hand, you got in a little bit of trouble. It's my understanding. Yes. So this this is what's going on. You can hear me, right? You can hear me yes, correctly? Perfect. Yeah, yeah okay. now, so, so, so I think it was okay. on my end. All right. So good. So what happens is this, man. I, I bring Spanish comedy in 2013. I go to Mexico City. 
And then I started working on, on bringing Latino comedy to the U.S. So I started introducing them to the improvs. I started working with with uh, big comedians. He's, this guy that I started working with, he's like the Kevin Hart of Mexico. And he has a big social media following. And so me and him start touring for three years. We're doing the, the Microsoft Theater. We're doing these huge events, big, big stadiums. And we're touring for three years. And <clears throat> when I come back from a sold out show in Guatemala, my manager tells me it's over. I remember when I told you I started again, I'm telling you it's not too late. At 37, I went to go look for Spanish comedy. At 36, I went to go look for Spanish comedy and I started from the bottom. And because I was so already so seasoned in comedy and I, I could speak Spanish pretty well, they took me right away. They were like, oh my God, I was in Televisa for six months into it. And then I was on Comedy Central Latin America. Then they called me again to do another show for Comedy Central Latin America. I taped again for Adal Ramones, Televisa. Then Netflix calls and gets me an eight episode series on Spanish comedy. And I bring all these Spanish stand-up comedians back in 2017, 2018. We shoot this thing called Sigue la Risa, an eight episode series where I bring the biggest names in Latin America. And, and my career is blowing up, right? When the pandemic hits, and they tell me that's it, Richard. No more. This is the peak of my Latin American tour. This is I'm, I'm killing it, Latin America. This is my big. This is my. The tour was called "It's My Turn," because I brought so many Latino comics, including the girl that I was roasting. I gave her her first Netflix show. I gave her her first HBO show. It's not that the girl I was roasting, I, I didn't like her. She was a good friend of mine, but. When my managers tell me that everything is over, I start drinking a bottle of vodka a day. As soon as that happens, I realize, shit, everything's done. For 20 years, all I've done is stand up. And now you're telling me I cannot feed my family. Now you're telling me that my savings are leaving me? For six months, all I saw was my money leave my bank account with no chance of recovering anything. I had to freeze every bill. I, I start getting into a real depressed mode and I'm drinking and drinking a bottle of vodka a day. In September, this isn't in March, in September, Franco called and says, hey, man, I would like you to be part of this roast. I was like, great. Then I better get two bottles because today we're, we're having a show. Just because they tell you you're having a roast, you're working, doesn't mean that the last six months of you drinking a bottle of vodka go away. You add antidepressants to that and you add marijuana to that and you're self-medicating all day and that's all you do all day. I was in the deepest, darkest hole. And he asked me to be on a roast with 8.9 million people watching. And I made a dumb ass of myself, dude. I called her a bitch. I did all this. But it happened. You know what I mean? When it happens, though, I didn't know how Mexico was going to react. Or Latin America. And a uh, storm came the next day. I mean, everybody started coming at me. I got death threats. They told me, you'll never work in Mexico again. Uh, I said, I don't want to. <laughs> death threats i'm not going anymore uh so you understand i got i was trending i was number one for like three days el gordi la flaca el televisa univision everybody wanted to know what happened on the roast and of course like she even said it to all her friends this is the best thing that could ever happen to me because she went on every channel and she did every interview and she played the victim and it's just the best thing that could have ever happened to me was richard doing that and and my wife is here crying, going like, why am I getting death threats? Why is the baby getting death threats? Why is this happening? 
And I'm like, because I messed up. So that happened. And everything goes to hell. Um, I realize what I've done. I I realize that that's going to stay there forever. But I also, I don't stop. I said, you know what? I can get up and, and fix myself. And I can, I can shake this off. And I can fix my mistakes and become a better person. Or I can let this eat me up. So I decided that's it, man. No more drinking when I'm working. No more uh, this and that. I got to go get therapy. I got to go to AA. I got to I gotta lose weight. I got to learn what I did wrong. So I, a fan reaches out and says, why don't you take this course on sexual harassment prevention training, anti-bullying, and this, just so you know what you were doing wrong. And at least you have some in, insight on that. Well, afterwards, she tells me, your story was so funny the way you told it. Would you like to teach this? There's no shows. Keep in mind, there's no shows. Yeah. Do you understand? I I did the bullying. She's like, that's right. See, we use other alcoholics to help alcoholics. We use other drug addicts to help other drug addicts. You, you're a good example of what not to do. You go. You're a great that. bully. But yes. but but it's not bullying. If you if, if it would be like if you and I got into a. Uh, agreed to do a boxing match or MMA or, you know, and then we beat the shit out of each other. And then I'm mad at you because you beat the shit out of me. I'm like, well, didn't we agree to jump into the ring and and I, fight listen, under a certain set I, of I, rules? I, I understand that. I, I understand that. Latin America doesn't understand that. See, I come with the mentality of the comedy store. But what she yeah. told everybody in Mexico it's because they're not ready to do comedy. Oh, it's because they, they don't know how to do comedy. I was like, no, it's because I was drunk. Don't generalize every other comic because I was drunk, high, and under, and under medication that I know what I did wrong. I'm not saying I didn't do something wrong, but don't blame other comics or say that we weren't ready or don't say that I'm not funny. I made a mistake and I owned up to it, but don't generalize and say that I'm not funny. I'm funny. I just... I was at a roast. And, and, and you know what? I talked to Sam Segura about this. And he was offended at, Frank, uh, at, at the guy and, and at everybody. He was like, it's a roast, bro. You didn't knock on her door and say, hey, let's fight. They told you that's your opponent. Go at it. Regardless, if you do it right or wrong, you just lose. And that's it. But there is no hard feelings. We don't get our feelings hurt. But they did. Well, so, it's, it, I mean, there's like this is wrong on so many levels because, well, I never in a million years thought that that any Mexican would ever. Be, I mean, the horrific they, things that I've heard and they coming invented back. The word, puto. They invented that word. <laughs> it's it's the it's it's the f word, really. You know, for homosexuals and and it's thrown around freely to this day behind closed doors. I'm sure it's. it's I mean, I still hear it outside, but. I mean, it's it's getting better, but you cannot tell me that they're really offended by anything that anyone has said. I mean, it's coming from this culture where, like you even talked about, like women still almost barely have rights, you know, that type type of a thing. So I can't understand how, like, I'm 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 on Tom's side. Like, how in the world? I mean, I'm offended that that happened, and it's quite the opposite uh, as far as comedy is concerned because. I mean, when I started seeing that you were doing shows and I didn't realize, you know, I didn't put the two and two together, but I'm like, how are these Mexican comics getting into the improv? Not that I wanted them not there, but I'm like, they're obviously selling tickets, but it's not our kind of comedy. You know, it's like going, you know, it's this whack. It was like my parents comedy. Like they think it's funny or, you know, like men dressed as children doing shows and wah, wah, wacky and it's all you know and like that's not 
what we do, I don't think, you know, but no, 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 but the well, there for them. now, now, now it, no, no, but that's not the comedy that is in Spanish. Now there's real standup now. Is they there? Don't dress okay. up. Yes. No, no, you don't understand. The Carlos Vallartas, Las Dani Sosas, the Franco Escamillas, the Mike Salazar, all these guys, they, they're all Richo Fari, they're all doing stand-up, stand-up. Like proper that's stand-up. What, like. That's why when I showed up in 2013, they were virgins, man. They were just starting. That's why I had such success because I come in with 14 years of experience and they're like, where did this guy come from? He knows how to do stand-up really well and that's what we're trying to do. But they, they also developed and started writing and, and, and now they're doing stand-up. Not knock-knock jokes, not Pepito jokes. These are real comedians that are now coming to the U.S. and selling out. Carlos Vallarta just created a huge splash at, at what Netflix is a joke festival. He was the talk of the town. He's up there doing Spanish and English comedy in multiple venues, killing it with a special on Netflix, his third special on Netflix. Amazing. Selling out improvs. And this guy talks, he says, Jesus is, is, is not real. That's the name of his tour. Do you understand? Cristo no existe. That's Cristo the no- name of his tour. So do, do you understand? It's stand-up. It's stand-up. They're, these are not jokes. Proper stand-up. So the proper stand-up. And I brought that in 2013. And, and the improv, I remember one of the managers called me and says, do you know what happened? We're celebrating 50 years of the improv. And in 50 years, we never had to say Spanish or English till you showed up. You showed up. And now every improv goes, the Spanish or English show, because we have two. I was like, oh, not bad. Good. You should be very... <laughs> Yeah, you know what? We all have our ups and downs, and I'm 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 glad. I'm hoping that you've come out uh, a, a better person for it. But you didn't do anything wrong, though. Well, besides being totally drunk, and, and yeah. if it wasn't creative the way you called her a bitch, then yeah, I, I guess you know it wasn't done right. But you should but be you ready. Don't get cruised about it. Yeah, but, but they need an enemy, and they need somebody to kick when they're down, and it's fine. And and I got it, and I understood. And when my daughter sees that video. She is going to know what her daddy did afterwards, what actions he took. When she judges me or when she says, what did you do after? I corrected my mistake. See, I did that mistake and then I stopped drinking. Then I lost 50 pounds. And then I went and started teaching other people not to do that to other people. That's what I did to change. You might criticize me for that video, but I made a mistake and I fell and I got up and, and I fixed it. And that's what you do. But Mexico doesn't want to know that. And Mexico doesn't want to promote that. Why aren't they calling me right now? Why aren't they asking me, Richard? Hey, what's going on? How you been? Nothing. No, no. But you know what? I'll tell you this. That girl I called the bitch, she's divorced. And I'm not going to say why. But let's just say <laughs> I might be a psychic. Uh, and she was married She was married for six months when that happened. That roast happened. Wait, and, and, okay, so I got to find this roast then. Oh, I'm sure there's yes, a yes. And let me tell you, this girl, she was married six months when I roasted her because she got married in March. So I started insulting her and, and talking about her husband being a producer at Comedy Central and all this. And this is the only way you got up there and this and that. And then six months later or a year later, they're done. I was like, ooh, am I a psychic? I think you, I think you need to have a little time. You know what? Let's bring him on Paul Vato Presents because I'd like to get to the bottom of this because I'll bet he's going to end up saying like, you know what? Uh, you were right. Yeah, I guarantee you, you'll be like, yep, yep, Richard was a psychic. I don't know what he ate that day, but he knew exactly what he was talking about. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the whole story, and I don't really care, but you're absolutely right, and that's why I'm okay with it, because I know know what I did to better myself, and and we're good, and I'm going to keep moving forward. And and I realized in life at 44, 
I don't need to run. I've been running all my life because I see everybody around me running and I, I run because they run and, and that creates my anxiety and I keep running and I'm like, what the fuck am I going? Why am I following Paul Otto or any of these motherfuckers? I already know where I'm going. Walk. As long as I don't walk, I'll make it. As long as I don't stop walking, I'll make it. If I, if I don't stop walking, I'm going to get to my, I don't need to run because he's running. He's going to fall. It's that, it's that hair. Time. It's that hair of the turtle, man. Slow and easy wins the race. And, and you're on track. And, and you could have let that moment define you. And you might be up to three bottles of vodka a day. I don't know. Was it good vodka at least? Or were you? Yeah, yes. I like, well, it, it's not the uh, most expensive, but it's my favorite. But that's it, man. You, you take care of that and you go, hey, I can't. That's not, that's not the life. Do you still have uh, a few drinks every now and then, or did oh, you? Oh no! If if I am not working, if I am not working, and I am at home, and I'm with my family, or I'm with with friends that I trust, yes. If I'm in public, if I'm at a coffee club, if I'm working, if I'm socializing, doing, if I'm doing a podcast, no, no. You understand? In my no. home, I can do it. Here is fine, and it's not to get messed up. It's if I want to have two drinks, three drinks, go to bed. We're good. That's it. But not in public. None of that. Um, you know, just personal thing for me is, is I want to be in control now. I want to make sure that if, if, if I call you a bitch, I meant it to your face. So we don't blame it on the alcohol. That's <laughs> 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 me now. That's just me now. I want to make sure you got it clear. Okay. okay. Well, yeah, so nah. same. If you call me a puto or something, I'll be like, wow. No, I think he meant it. Cause yeah, he, he meant it. He was sober. He was sober. <laughs> he was sober. He was, he was stone sober, man. Uh, Richard, man. Well, because and that was, you know, maybe that's for a different show to do a deep dive because again, like, you you know, when you see, I don't know, I don't even know what these characters, but I remember like El Chavo del Ocho and and Ñoño and I used to hate that character Ñoño because he was fat and I was fat and they called me Junior, but in Mexico they called me Junior. So it was kind of always like they they were making fun of me. I'm like, it's because you can't speak, you know, you can't say Junior, you're saying Junior and now you're comparing me to Ñoño. So there, you know, there's a lot of also deep, deep-seated <laughs> hatred. There. Is that vodka? What are you drinking? No, 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 no. It's diet coke. No, sure, it's diet coke. <laughs> no, it's, where's the can? That's somewhere else. <laughs> but uh, no, but but it's true. I do have. A, I made a video about that. It's it's really hard because we are not Mexican enough for the Mexicans, and we're not white enough for the white people. We're just stuck in the middle, and it's it's. Difficult to try to please both because I felt racism on the other side of that border. I remember going to these shows and I, be, I remember being laughed at or criticized by other comics or uh, teased in a way where, look, bro, if you were in the U.S. and if I was making fun of your accent, if I was making fun of you, you would get really upset, bro. And you have all your friends here and I'm taking the, the, the ha-has and the hee-hees and yeah, I'm all fuck up. But when you get to the U.S. because you're going to want to go, I'm going to do the same shit to you, bro. I don't forget. Because, forget. You know what yeah. I mean, it's like, goddamn, I had cousins, bro. I would come, I would bring them clothes, and they talk shit. I'm like, bro, I brought you clothes. And you're talking <laughs> shit. What the hell, man? Yeah. Like, why are yeah. you teasing? Why are you messing with me, man? I brought you clothes. <laughs> man, man. And, and, and you're right. You know, we've we've suffered that, suffered, I don't know, but but since the since the late nineties, you know, when I started doing comedy and because every year was Oh, there's a Latin explosion this year, you know, starting with J-Lo and then Ricky Martin. And I mean, I, I even parodied the song Live in La Vida Loca to Vi- Live in La Vida Floja. I remember mm. writing because it worked in English. Yeah, yeah. 
and it's living the crazy life became living the lazy life. And, uh, but, but every year we even wrote a show and we were going to call it, there's a Latin explosion in my pants. Cause we were so upset every year is a Latin explosion. Yeah. It never was never happened, you know? And, um, and, and, and it, it's like, we would take our ideas to ABC, uh, the all but Chicano network or NBC, the, the, the nothing but Caucasian network or, or CBS, the Caucasian broadcast service. And, and they would be like, have you tried television or Univision, which are, for those that don't know, those are the Latino, I used to call them the Mexican channel. That's how, that's how uh, elitist I was. And and I was like, wait, this is the Spanish channel. It's not the Mexican channel. It's all of Latin America. And then, you know, we would take it to Univision or, or Telemundo and they'd be like, you guys are gringos. Like this isn't for us. Like you guys don't even do stuff in Spanish. We're like, but it's, you know, comedy with a Latin flavor. They're like, no, you know, you got to go to ABC, NBC, CBS and see, you know, that's, those were kind of all the choices that we had back then, but, but it's, it's kind of been the same way. So I love the fact that now we're able to kind of create our own stuff uh, because now we don't have to wait for, for someone and it's, but it's still tough, you know, it, and it's exactly what you said. I, I think we should do a show, uh, what Mexican in the middle instead of Malcolm in the middle. Hey, Mexican in the middle. <laughs> we're, we're right in the middle. We're, we're too brown yeah. for America, but then, but then, uh, you know, yeah. not brown enough for Mexico. My, my mother, I told, I asked her that question. Because it, it, it is something you always ask yourself. And I said, Mom, why, why do we leave the U.S.? I mean, why do we leave Mexico? Why do, why do you leave? He says, she's very patriotic and she loves America. And, and as soon as she got her citizenship, she's American. And she said, I have two mothers. We have two mothers. And Mexico is a mother that couldn't feed us. She couldn't give us opportunities. She couldn't take care of me. Um, so she had to give me up for adoption. I had to go to my second mother. And my second mother that adopted me in the United States, she fed me. She gave me opportunities. She gave me jobs. She gave me a home. Uh, she gave me all of this. Do I dislike my mother? No, I knew the sacrifice I had to take to leave my mother. But in order for you and my, your brothers to have a better life, I had to go to my other mother. I don't, I don't dislike any of my mother's. They both served the purpose. I just couldn't live in the other side because she couldn't feed me. That's it. But you don't stop loving mothers. They no. both took care of you. That's a wonderful sentiment. So, so your, your mother sounds very wise, and that makes perfect sense. And and it's and it's. I mean, through no fault of your own. I mean, you were born in the U.S. You were born mm-hmm. in, Congo, and then mm-hmm. uprooted and taken to Mexico, and, and then brought and, back and, at the age of ten. So it's, you know? it's, it's but, but I got to live both cultures. Like I have dual citizenship. I, I got to experience both sides and, and good or bad, regardless, it, it is, it created who I am now. Like all these stories that I tell people go, I can't believe it. I said, I can't believe you can't believe it. And then I meet people who go, I know exactly what you're talking about. You're right. I'm like, Oh shit. Okay. So you live my life. Yeah. So it's there, but little by little you'll see, you create your own lane, like the stand-up lane with the Spanish comics. When I created, started bringing them, bringing all these big names, everybody opened their eyes. And regardless of what we think, Hollywood is still greedy. And as long as it's making money and in its business and they can make a dollar, they're going to do it. And right now they're selling out these Spanish shows. They're selling out and it's going to only that. get bigger. It's right. only going to get bigger. Are you still involved with that then? Are, are you still? Yes, pretty- of course, of course. Okay. Nyonyo, Nyonyo, the person you were talking about, he's one of my artists. My fucking nemesis? Yes. Yeah. 
Edgar Vivar. Uh, who else? There's a couple other comedians that we have on tour right now in Spanish comedians that I represent across the country that I keep pushing with Spanish comedy is. Um, I want to now start putting them into the festivals. I would love for Just for Laughs to just give us an opportunity to do a Spanish new faces or and have me host the new Spanish new faces or, or any of these Spanish shows that we might have on those platforms. I know Netflix is a joke. I know uh, Just for Laughs, they were going like, ah, why are you doing this? But now they have a chance to really step up and say, okay, are we going to be more diverse? And we're going to bring Spanish comedy. Wonderful. Well, I love that, that you're on the forefront. Do you think, uh, when did you produce films then? Because I was going to ask, do you think that being a film producer has helped you then produce maybe these shows or, or was that just, was that a different world? What, what was that like producing films in Hollywood? Well, it was in LA. They were not in Hollywood. I'll tell you exactly what happened. This company, it doesn't exist called Olympus Act. Now it doesn't exist, but it was a bigger company of Cine Mexicano. And what happened is my manager at the time was acquisitions. He would buy and sell movies. So he comes to me to the table and says, here's a quarter of a million dollars. And once you do 10 feature films, all gangster movies. I said, sure, give it to me. This is right after my divorce from the Border Patrol agent. So I <laughs> Let me call no. Let me call <laughs> no. Yeah. And that's how Noel got. Yeah, that's how I met Noel. I put him in a 5150, trapped in the 5150. I put him in a bunch of these movies because they're all Cholo movies. And, and I produced these 10 feature films in three years. And, and I did it with the intent of learning how to produce, how to, how to edit, how to do all this stuff, and, and, and to put myself in front of the screen. But when you're the producer, you don't get to do that. I realized that. When I got the money, I realized, oh, no, I don't get to act. I get to go get some water because there's, this is not enough money for 10 feature films. So I, I – go ahead. You said he gave you 250000 to make 10 films or per film? No. Eat for the 10 films. What? Do you understand what I'm telling you? I signed a contract with these three and they all got national distribution. And I'm <laughs> going to start making like clips of them so you can see the 10. How, do you, how do you even make a movie for 25? I'm sure some could have cost you 30, some could have cost you 10, but how do you? I mean, that's this uh, is what you do a food budget for, for one, a big film for one day. So, how did we start with the crack business? You got to use your family. So my <laughs> right-hand man was my brother, Teddy, at 17. He was, he was my super producer. He now works for BuzzFeed. That's one of the head producers for Better Like. <laughs> you understand? Yeah. Like, but he started with me in the trenches making these low-budget B-moves that went straight to Walmart to the $5 bin. But we didn't care because now I bought a production truck and I had a studio in Huntington Park and I had bribed the mayor of Huntington Park to let me do shootout scenes and block off streets and use their sheriffs and, and did all this shit. And this was already a long time ago, so I can't get arrested for this. But we did all this crazy shit in Huntington Park. We shot everything. All 10 feature, feature films were shot in Huntington Park, except for one in Mexicali, Hostage. That's the only one we, we shot in Mexicali. But other than that, Everything else was shot in Huntington Park. Ten feature films. Wow! Wow! What what a crazy story! I mean, this is almost this. And you can look them up. It's uh, trapped in the fifty one fifty. You can go to IMDb, look up Richard Villa. Zula Entertainment was a company that I was Zula. using at the Z U L A. Oh, and, you can and, bet I'm going to look it up. No, yeah, that's look, so look at it. I mean, and, yeah. and I believe you, but but it just it just shows. I like to call it maybe like Mexican ingenuity. It's like like you said, how do we start the crack business with family? You know, uh, you, you, you go in with resources, with resources. 
call in all your favors. But I could see where it would get easier. I mean, I still can't wrap my brain around that, that for, with 250000 you could make 10 films. Uh, two fifty a piece, yeah, okay, easy. But I can see where it got easier because if you were, if you were buying your own equipment, then I, you know, okay, the first film you spend your you spend whatever it is to 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 make that first film, and and but now you own the equipment, now it's yours, now you've got the trucks, you've got you know, and you and it's probably getting a little bit easier because now the crew is ready, and Noel's gonna do more than one film for you, and uh, yeah, that, and that's how I did it. I I shot all ten. Thinking in the same time, all ten were here. I said, I have to, I have to shoot and say, okay, save this for that movie. We're gonna save that for that movie. Do this for that movie because it's cholo movies, so gangster movies. Okay, yeah, okay. I need more low riders here. I got this one. Okay, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Okay, very good. Do we have footage of the other stuff? Yeah, okay. Cut that into this, and then we're gonna edit this. And then we're gonna... okay, there you go. Boom, new movie. Did I, I had to get so creative with all these? Some cholos were another cholos. Huh? Who wrote these movies? Every single guy that ever came to me and said, I wanted to write a movie. Okay, write me a cholo movie and I'll pay for you for it. And they're like, really? It's going to be made. The thing is, you're a script writer. Nobody's ever made one of your movies. Now you have an opportunity to write a fucking movie and get $1,000 for it. And it's going to be made. And you can now say, this is my first movie on IMDb. Here we go. And, and that's how I did it, man. Everybody had a story to tell. Write it down. Let me hear it. What is it? So I was taking scripts and buying them for a thousand bucks. That's it. I would have sold you a script for a thousand bucks. Of course. You're like, all right. I would have made it. And you would have made it. it. We're going to have the Paul Vato movie. Paul Vato movie right now. So, <laughs> so uh, um, I have a project right now called El Sapo. It's about a Mexican wrestler that, that basically flees to the U.S. And, and finds his way back to the top. And it's a mini series, 10 episodes, five minute episodes each. I'm producing the same thing, just like I produce these films. But now we have more money, we have more equipment, and we're more experienced. Let me stop you right there, sir. Uh, I'm I, I'm in. Whatever your 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 uh, offer is, I'll take it. So okay, we're doing El Sapo then. You're in El Sapo, bro. You're gonna love it. And it's literally five minutes, and we're we're planning on shooting this in three days. Perfect. So so it's three days. We one weekend and and. The, I already have the guy that does the, the wrestling, Mexican wrestling scenes here in L.A. Says, you just pick the date and I'll introduce you on stage and you can wrestle. Just rehearse your moves and we can do whatever you want. You can use the audience. You can shoot whatever. And that's, those are the resources I'm talking about. I wrote a movie according to what I have around me. I said, oh, I have a, a very good friend that says you have my entire promotional company and do whatever you want. Just use my logo. I said, sure. Can I get the mask? Yeah. And yeah, we got sponsored everything. So is now we're just gonna hmm? a real story. This is no, this is a project I've been working on. Let me see if I can see the mask real quick. Hold on. <laughs> Maybe we'll see it here. Hold on. Let me see if I can show it off to you real quick. I oh, I also before, before yes, I forget, I want to I want to say that I love your logo. I like that you have your own logo. The, oh, uh, thank you. The thank RV you there on the back of your seat there. It's I I, I didn't remember until I saw it. Yeah. But, uh, I, I don't know. It's somewhere in there. But yeah, that sapo, the sapo mask is somewhere in there. But it's, I'll send you a photo of it. But yeah, yeah, the logo on the seat, you mean? Yeah. It's yeah. I have two, two guys that sit next to me for the podcast and they kept taking my chair. And I said, this is my chair. Don't take my chair. <laughs> I put my logo on. I said, now it's my chair. Now it's my chair. It's got the RV right there. RV on there. Well, uh, Paul, uh, man, what else? Could, how long can you stay here? I mean, I can, I can, I can go. 
I can go all night. I can we can Joe Rogan this and go for four hours, whatever. No, hours. <laughs> uh, you tell me because it's it's been such such a pleasure to you know reconnect and, and see your mm-hmm. success and and what a roller coaster because you could have let that moment define you. So you are obviously a man of strength and and to be able to then go like you know just do that mind shift and now you're teaching a class. That's what gets me is that you're teaching yeah. an anti bullying class. Yeah, yeah, but then now this becomes part of my my routine, my act, and a lot of people tell me, well, what do you talk about then? I talk about my life on stage. That's it. Shit that happened to me. It, because you're already offended at everything. So if you get offended at anything that happened to me, I'm sorry, you go get your own life and go get offended at that because why are you mad at me because it happened to me? Stop yeah. getting mad because it happened to me. Okay, just enjoy the show. People just can't wait to, to cancel or say, hey, look at what you're doing. Bro, just people, enjoy your life. People can't wait. And, and most of the time, it's not other Latinos that are doing it. It's it's other people are being, it's just other people being offended. You know, even like this whole Latinx thing, you know, is, is it? What's your opinion on that, on Latinx? And be honest. Uh, I get both sides. Um, I The thing is, I don't think that you should go Latinx when Spanish is a language that's based on gender. You know, there's the male and the masculine, and that's just the way the language is. You're changing a language just because you're offended that, you know, that you're going... And, but, you know, I get it like, uh, oh, she's an actor or, or you know, uh, you know, uh, I get it like, oh, an attorney is an attorney. It's not a female attorney. It's an attorney. But I don't think you, you, you're you allowed to change somebody's language just because you're offended that, uh, you know, you, the, the gender- what, we're, what we're talking about microaggressions. That's what you're talking about. Like little things that bother you and you go, OK, I don't want to be called a female uh, lawyer. I just want to be called a lawyer. For many years, a lot of comedians would say, I don't want to be called the Latino comic. This is Gabriel. This is George Lopez. This is Willie Barcena. This is every other comic who's Latino never wanted to be a Latino comic. You know what I did? I made myself number one when you Google best Latino comic. You don't want it? I'll take it. I took it. <laughs> I took it and I ran with it. And yeah. I've been best Latino comic. I don't know. Somebody now wised up and got me number three, but I was number one for like 11 years, bro. Easy. Because easy. that's what everybody else is searching for. Like, oh, who's that Latino comic? I don't yeah, know. I would, come out, yeah, Latino and I would come out number one, but they would never do that. They never got that when it came to Google. And I got it right away in 2010. I was like, they don't want it. I'll take it. I'll take it. And I was getting a ton of jobs because of that. That's amazing. No, th- th- that's great. It- it's like... They want to, you know, they, uh, I'm a I'm a comic who happens to be Latino, but it's easier to go like, yeah, I'm a Latino comic. Like, yeah, yeah but, but but how quick did you go do Que Locos? Right. Oh wait, oh wait, wait. Now you're Latino. Wait, my- wait, you, we get to pick when we're Latino or when it's better for us. That's the, the hypocrisy that I keep looking at these comics that say, hey, I know I just want to be a comic. Yeah, but then they, 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 they commend you. So you're the first Latino to ever do that. Now you want to pick up your chest and go, why didn't you argue then? Why didn't you argue? Hey, I'm, I'm the first whoa, whoa, whoa. comic to do this. Yeah. Why you say that? Yeah. Um, oh, thank you. No, no, no. Uh, I was actually on, I think I was on Que Locos. And it was as a uh, was that was Mike Robles' show, wasn't it? Yes, was on Galavision. Okay, so so I was in New York. I had I went to Saturday Night Live because my friend I got hired by SNL. This was in like ninety eight, ninety nine. He got hired by SNL, so he invited me to come out to New York to his first show. 
So I was I was around there for like I ended up staying like a couple of weeks in New York, had a great time. And then I saw that uh Get Locos was filming at uh Caroline's. So I somehow, you know, I, I remember it was, I went by myself. I'd, I and uh, I kind of connected with with a young lady next to me. So we looked like we were a couple. But uh, Mike Robles pulled me up on stage because we started interacting. And then he pulled me up on stage. And I was wearing, I still remember, I was wearing like shorts because I'm from Chicago, you know. I was wearing shorts, yeah. like Doc Martin boots and like a loose shirt. And he was, so he was just basically making fun of me. But we, we're cracking the people up and then he goes hey man uh, you should you know like you should do stand-up and i've been friends with mike ever since so this was in the late 90s so i that just brought back this memory that i was actually and then i saw it years later on tv you know because they would replay get locos all the time yeah Ooh, but they didn't mind to be latino comics back then so That's they do. best latino comic that's you yeah. <laughs> i'll take it Oh man! Yeah, but listen, Paul, I'm gonna let you go. I do want to go out to Vegas. Yeah. Can I visit you? Can I bother you? Can I say, hey, Paul, let's have lunch out there? Or do you it, ever it, do this live? Do you ever have a podcast live? Or when are you coming to LA? Well, uh, th- th- yeah, I would love to. Either uh, you know, we could do this in person, and we could, but stream it live like this on Fireside. I love this platform. It's uh, started by Fallon Fatemi, and then uh, Mark Cuban is one of the big investors. And it's, I, I mean, I love the simplicity of it because it's saved on the platform. So so and you can interact, you do it live. So even if you just have a few people in the audience, it's better than having no people, you know, when we do a podcast via Zoom. Um, uh, but yes, um, I would love when you come out to Vegas, you must let me know so we can connect with, I'll connect you with, John, with Toy Shack Johnny. Uh, I, we can have. Oh, one. I want to. I want to go to the cigar shop. I want to have a cigar. We, I want to smoke I'll, a cigar. That'll be on me. The cigars will, will, will be my treat. Uh, uh, we, we can hang out, smoke some cigars, uh-huh. or I'll come to LA because uh, I, I'm there. You know, whenever I get work, uh, I, I had a house there, but my ex-wife has it now. <laughs> mm-hmm. See, that's why you should have tell her find happiness, bring him here. But whatever. Yeah. Listen, you have to take the 15 to Vegas when you come to LA. Or when you're going to LA, mm-hmm. I live right off the 15 before you hit the 10. Oh, like by 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 by, uh... by Foothill, by by uh, Victoria Gardens, that area. I'm like sure. uh, two miles away from there. Oh, a mile away. So I'm you're like... gonna get off on Foothill and just come to my house. I'll send you my address. We can hang out here. When you're going to LA, I'll go with you to LA. As a matter of fact, leave your car here. You've been driving. I'll drive us to LA wherever you need to go if you're doing a show. Yeah. So if you're gonna go see a show, let me know. I, I would, I would love, I would love, I would love nothing more than yes. that. If this happened, uh, if you're gonna do my podcast. You're gonna be, the, you're gonna do the American Illegals podcast, bro. That's what I'm telling you. I love it. Lies, it. Do here. It's a great name, and I really want to thank you for spending a lot of time with me and great reconnecting. And I'm glad uh, that you're finding all this great success. And if there's anything I can do to help or take something off your plate, uh, let me know because I'd be more than happy. To, uh, even if it's just you know helping you promote, um, but I'm gonna make it out to LA and I and I want to do stand up, so maybe you can help me with that. Because okay, I, why don't why don't we do this? Why don't we do this? Let's do a live together on TikTok, and and bring your material, and we're just gonna work it out, and we'll let the fans also work with us, and and just bring ideas because I'm gonna bring my ideas, and I say okay, okay I have an idea of a Paul for this joke, blah 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 blah, and then we just hash it out on this air and call it. We just work material out. That's it. And we do another show where we're just working material out. 
I love that idea. I, I love and, that. And we'll do it on, let's do it on TikTok so people can watch us because then what I'll do, the material that I work with you, I promise the audience that I'll give them a full stand-up show by Friday. That's so what right. I'll do is I'll work the current material out with you, Paul Vato, and then I'll say, okay, Paul Vato gave me that tag, this tag, and this tag. Let's see if it works. And then I'll do it at the haha. And by Sunday, they can see the stand-up and go, this is what Paul Vato helped me with. I keep the original I video. That, I love that idea because I, I feel one of my strengths is punching up. And, and maybe that's what everybody says. Like, oh, well, you know, because maybe that's the easiest thing. I don't know. But I, I'm always able to look at somebody's material and go like, oh, you could say this or do this. So I don't know if that yeah. in itself is a talent or not, because if it is, I'm like, well, then why don't I just do that with myself? But I find it so much easier to do it for other people. And maybe it's just our natural. Yes. Track. If we do a writing session, that's it. It's like, okay, Paul, so this is what happened. This is my idea. This is where I'm going with the joke. Blah, blah. And then you go, no, no, no. What if you said this? And it, I've, I've done a million of these writing sessions where it becomes so much fun because everybody's tagging. All of a sudden, the audience is going like, no, you guys should say this. And you're like, oh, my God, he's right. Look at this. So I love the that. audience get to participate. I love the participation aspect of, of, the, of the audience. And then to, for you to be able to give them a final full product that says, Oh, like, yeah. I'll guys. be punched up. I say, look, you guys want to see what Paul Vato did? And then you even grab it and share it and go, look, me and my boy Richard, we worked on this. Tell me what you think. And then That's they brilliant. can see the process of, oh, you, you told them about that tag. Yeah, I gave them that tag. Oh, that's hilarious. That'd be great, man. Are you down love to do this? I am down to do that. You tell okay. me. Because I'll, I also have a lot of, I'll send you a yeah. note. What, what's, what's your schedule like? What's, what's good for you? When is it uh, I'm pretty open now, ex except, for, except for these, you know, that, that I've been doing uh, interviews. But, I, you know, I can, within the next week, I can stop sending out invites and then I won't get any, you know, a, a, any, any people. Oh, and thank you for, you used Calendly, didn't you? You, you used yes. the, Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's a very non-Latino thing of you to do. So you and... Uh, you and Anthony and Citric both use Calendly. And I was like, I didn't expect any Latino uh, comedians <laughs> to use Calendly. Like, yeah, I'll do it. Let's just set it up. Like, all right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, not a problem. <laughs> all right. So we're on then. Let's do a live on TikTok, me and you, and let's do a writing session. I'm going to promote it. And I'm going to put up that we are going to be doing it together. So if they want to go on, on our live and watch it, I'm going to set it up maybe 8 o'clock. Is that good? You, you know what? I, yes. Uh, eight o'clock, except maybe on Tuesday, because I, I record. I'm a co-host on another on film talk with AJ Dean, an award-winning podcast. But uh, so really, I think Tuesdays at eight might be the only day that's not good for me. So any other day. Uh, yeah. OK, perfect. You got it. Let's see if we do work out Wednesdays. You got it? Wednesdays, I think, would be would be good unless Butch Bradley and I do. Uh, something yeah. similar here on Fireside, but but uh, if, if you set it up for Wednesday at eight and and let's let's yeah, do it. Yeah, and if it doesn't work, we'll do another. It doesn't matter. It, we can do it whenever we want because literally, I'll let you know. Are you busy right now? Let's do it live now. Let's, let's go live. Let's, do the let's been, go live. I've been wanting to. Uh, I've been wanting to go live. I got banned for. I thought I was banned for two months. So uh, I don't know if you know Jeffrey Keller. Uh, he's a host of the Pocho Hour of Power. He he has uh, he his his uh, his uh, at is uh, my mom's white. He's my, my mom's white, and he's open for Paul Mooney. So mm -hmm. I had him on the show, mm -hmm. and I was actually doing a live, but playing uh, I was playing Call of Duty, and so I was doing a live, and then I was like, you know what? I'm going to listen to Jeff's. Uh, he was on Felipe Esparza's podcast, 
So I'm listening to Felipe Esparza's podcast and Jeffrey's telling these crazy stories and I'm cracking up. He's talking about Paul Mooney. So the whole thing is laced with the N-word. And I don't I and I'm laughing because it's hilarious and, and it's Jeff telling these stories about Paul Mooney, but then all of a sudden I get banned and I see I'm like I'm like, it was that damn podcast, you know, for hate speech or something. And yeah. I'm like, I didn't say it. And I was, I, yeah, I was laughing because it was, these were hilarious stories. Now, of course, when Jeff came on Fireside, he said that Paul Mooney said homie. And I almost said like, I don't think he used the word homie, but go on. Um, and uh, so, so I thought I was banned till seven, five. And, uh, and then I was like, fuck, I can't go on TikTok live for two months. I'm like, that seems excessive. And then I realized because it's from China, it was five, seven. So I'm able to go. I, I am able to go live, and I'll try not to play uh, Jeffrey Keller in the background. So yeah, you know. yeah, no n words, please, Paul. I, I've already been I've already been canceled once. I don't need this again. <laughs> I don't think I don't need this uh, so, so let's not use the n word. Yeah, yeah, I, I get that now. I didn't even use it. I was just laughing. So, Alright, buddy, well, thank you.